Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today is the last message in our month-long campaign called Heart Forward. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying. Today is the last message that I will preach in this series. We're not ending the campaign, not just yet. But today is the last message that I will preach. And this series has been designed to increase our awareness of the heart of God. And throughout this month, we have been focusing and learning about the things that move the heart of God. The first week, I spoke on the topic, heart for the lost, heart for the lost. And Jesus has always been concerned with that which is lost. And in Luke chapter 15, we read where he teaches these three parables about lost things. And in all three of the stories, when what was lost was found, they celebrated. And I told you that God's heart beats for humanity. His heart breaks for those things which are lost. And our salvation as Christians, our salvation should cause us to seek those that are lost. The second week, I spoke to you on the topic, Heart for the Church. And I explained to you that we live in a culture that devalues the local church. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus loved the church so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own will and his own desires and even willing to die for her. He was willing to die for the church. And I told you that because Christ died for the church, we should live for it. There should be something inside of us that causes us to want to live for the church. Last week, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And the message of this parable is very simple. Someone had to get off of their donkey to help somebody. Somebody had to get off of their donkey to help somebody. Amen? I think some of you tweeted for the first time last week because that was like the only thing that you heard. As opposed to the religious leaders in this parable, the Samaritan stopped what he was doing to help somebody else in need. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter summarized the earthly ministry of Christ when he said he went around doing good. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to go around doing good, letting the light of Christ shine through us. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I told you you're not saved because of your works. You are saved for good works. You are saved so that the world can see his love through you. And so on your way out last week, we gave you these cards to use for random acts of kindness, showing God's love in a practical way. And some of you have really been taking this to heart. And it doesn't stop. Just because the week ended, it doesn't stop. Um, I don't think we have too many of these left, if any of these left. And so I'm sorry that you were not here to, to get these. But we gave these out in groups of 10 last week. And we have been uh, seeing and hearing reports, and, and some people have even posted on Facebook about um, how they've been showing God's love in a practical way and giving out these cards, whether they're buying the, the car behind them, buying their, you know, going through the drive-thru and buying their food for them, or buying somebody a cup of coffee, or raking their neighbor's leaves, whatever it is. We've been showing God's love in a practical way because we have a heart for good. Amen? The congregation turned up one Sunday morning to find that the church was, was closed up. It was locked, it was empty, nobody was there. But on the door of the church was a note written in the pastor's handwriting and it, and it read these words. It said, you have heard about it long enough, now go and do it. Next Sunday, I will not preach. Do not say amen right there. <laughs> Next Sunday, I will not be preaching. Instead, we are going to go out and preach without using words. 
We are going to preach a message with our lifestyle. We are going to preach a message through our actions. And we will gather here at 9.30. Now, if you show up after 9.30, you're late. As a matter of fact, we want you to show up early so that you can get your t-shirt on because we want everybody matching. Um, if you did not sign up and you did not get a t-shirt, we will give them out until they are gone. And, and if, if you're afraid that you may not get one, just wear a red shirt and you'll match everybody else, okay? Because we're all going to be in matching red shirts. And we're going to go out into the community. And what we're going to do, we're going to get our shirts on. We're going to sing a couple of songs together. Then we're going to disperse ourselves out into this community and surrounding communities simply to serve because Jesus said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath and that's what we're going to do next Sunday. I, I have read that studies show that fewer than 10% of organizations around the world have clear written values. That fewer than 10% of organizations around the world make it plain what they stand for and what they value. It's also been suggested that most organizations that do have values simply have too many values. Uh, and research shows that people can't focus on more than three or four values at a time if you really want to impact their behavior. Which makes us even more credible because here at DCC, we have consistently taught the values of our organization, and we have four. We call them the four D's of destiny. If you go through Discover Destiny, you will learn all about the four D's, our four core values, and what they mean to us. The first one is discovery. It's giving people an opportunity to discover a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important core value any church could have, is helping people discover that relationship with Christ. The second one is dependence. Helping people to learn to depend on other believers. Some of us, we need to grow in that area. We need to learn to depend on our brothers and sisters in Christ. The third one is development. Helping people and giving people opportunities to develop in God's Word. That comes through Bible study. And we need to make sure that that's a priority in our lives. And finally, the fourth one is direction. And that's really what this month is coming down to. It's coming down to direction. It's helping people find where God wants them to serve. Finding that direction that he has for their lives. And when these four values that we have here at our church, when they are active in a believer's life, we believe that it produces a well-rounded Christian. If these four values are active in your life, I can assure you that you are making a difference for the kingdom of God. You need all four of these things operating and working in your life. And, and listen, if, if you're afraid that one of those areas are not working and it, it, it's not just, you know, it's, it's not thriving in your life, we have a simple thing that we call the eye exam. Many of us did it years ago. They still take it when they go through Discover Destiny. And you just simply go through and, and, and mark some statements there, tally up your scores, and it will tell you where you need to grow. And it also gives you some action steps on how you can improve the, one of those four areas or all of those areas in your life. And, and what's interesting to me and, uh, is that Jesus, he also had core values for his ministry organization. He did. Jesus had core values. And to better equip his followers, Jesus shared these core values with them. He would say things like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That was a core value for his ministry organization. He would say things like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
That was another core value. In the church world, we call the, the first part of that serving the church, or, or, or serving the Lord, rather. Serving the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's serving the Lord. Many of us have been serving the Lord for years. But when he talks about love your neighbor as yourself, he was teaching his followers that in order for you to succeed in his father's kingdom, if you want to succeed, you would have to put others before yourself. In other words, you would have to serve them. That was a core value. This was the foundational point for which Jesus would build his organizational ministry. And everything that Jesus taught it always pointed right back to servanthood. And you have to understand that during that time, this was not a popular subject among the Jews because they were still haunted by the past. 1,600 years earlier, uh, they were slaves in Egypt. 600 years before Christ would teach this, they were overthrown by the Babylonian Empire and some of them were taken into slavery and, and taken into exile and Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed during that time. So forgive the Jews if they're a little nervous, a little anxious as to what Jesus is teaching because they're simply reminded of what it looks like to be a servant, to be a slave. Currently, they were under Roman oppression. As Jesus was sharing these thoughts and these core values, they were under Roman oppression, and it seemed as if history was going to repeat itself once again. This rabbi, Jesus, is teaching them to become servants. Has he lost his mind that he wants us to return back to that servant mentality? And in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark, we find one of the most honest conversations. And it's a conversation that has, has been around since the beginning of humanity. And it's a conversation that will continue until the end of the age of this earth. It's a conversation that has consumed our thoughts and our minds at times. It continues to this day. And it's this, that we all want to be recognized. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to be viewed as valuable. And so... This conversation starts up between two of the disciples in Mark chapter 10 and verse 35. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right side and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, now let me, let me just kind of paint this picture for you just for a moment. There's two disciples that they want to be the assistant messiahs. You know how you strive sometimes to go up the corporate ladder? They want to be the assistant messiahs. Jesus is the messiah. We want to sit at your right hand. We want to sit at your left hand. And when the other disciples hear this, 
they become upset, angry with James and John. And here's what Jesus tells them. Verse 42, he says, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These two men are fighting for position and power. They want that title of being next to Jesus. Let me tell you, if you ever get caught up on titles, you will absolutely ruin what God wants to do in your life. If you're so hungry for a title, remember that serving will get you into rooms that titles will never get you into. Just ask the maid at Buckingham Palace, right? Jesus once again challenges these young Jewish men with his main core value. And here's what he says, if you want to be great in my father's kingdom, you must be a servant. If you want to come in first, then you've got to be a slave. We live in a world where everyone is fighting to succeed and we can relate to the obvious mental struggle that was taking place there. This is why we must love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Because it's easy to love the Lord with your heart. It's an emotional thing. It's natural feelings. All of us have emotions. We understand that. It's easy to love the Lord with all your soul because those are grateful feelings. You understand that. But it's hard to love him with all of your mind because it goes against the grain. And when it comes to serving, there can often be a mental block. Let me explain what I'm talking to you about. Uh, take, for instance, a man who has an important uh, business meeting and presentation at the end of the week that he must prepare for. But his daughter has a soccer game and he knows that he needs to be at it. But he chooses to stay late at the office and miss the soccer game. Why did he do it? Because his mind convinced him to serve himself and not his child. Naturally, that's how we're wired. Or a woman that really wants a night out with her girlfriends because she deserves it. She works hard. She works just as hard as her husband does. But she needs, um, what do you guys call it? Retail therapy? That's what she needs. She needs some good retail therapy. But her husband calls her on the way home from work, and, and he tells her that he just got passed up on that promotion that he was hoping for. She ignores the fact that he needs her, and she goes shopping anyway. Why? Because her mind convinced her that she deserved a night out more than her husband needed some comfort food and a companion. And this happens every day in our lives because we're self-serving. I could go through example after example that these selfish scenarios and how they're played out in our lives daily. Why? Because we are prone to serve us and not service. We are prone to serve us 
What can I do for me? Because I deserve it. And we will cater to our own needs before we will cater to others. And you get it naturally because we were born with these self-serving hearts. Think about it. Is there anything more self-serving than a baby? But that's how we're born. They don't come home from the hospital asking if they can mow the yard, wash the dishes, or vacuum the floor. No, they're self-serving. That's how they are. They expect everybody else to do it for them. And we are born with this self-service mentality that must mature and must become more Christ-like. It's like the great philosopher Paul Blart said in Mall Cop 2. (laughs) Go watch the movie. He really says this. If you believe the purpose of life is to serve yourself, then you have no purpose. I was watching that movie in our living room over a year ago, and and I, I heard him say that, and I about jumped up out of my chair and started shouting. I actually typed it out, put it in my phone so I could share it with you today. If you believe the purpose of life is to serve yourself, then you have no purpose. Right before he was arrested to be crucified, Jesus goes to the extreme to teach his young disciples about the core value of serving. In John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour, that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Verse 12 says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It was Passover week in Jerusalem. The streets were covered with extra traffic. Thousands of people poured into the Mecca to celebrate Passover. And with them, they are bringing animals. Not just animals to carry their luggage and to carry their goods, but but also animals for sacrifice. And so that meant that not only were the streets covered with extra litter and extra people and extra animals, this also means that the streets were covered in extra animal dung. And I am sure that their feet reflected this. Somebody had dropped the ball. 
Somebody was supposed to, to get servants to stand at the door and to wash their feet as they come in. But they forgot because maybe they were rushed in trying to, to book this upper room that they were meeting in. Somehow along the way, somebody forgot. And because nobody else was stepping up to the plate, Jesus uses it as a great example of servanthood. And he takes off his outer cloak girds himself with a towel and begins to wash the disciples' feet, showing them the true extent of his love and servanthood into their lives. And then he challenges them to do the exact same thing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to an old-fashioned foot washing service, but it will change your life. I grew up in a Pentecostal church where we did it once a quarter, whether we wanted to or not. And what would happen is all the men would go into one room and all the women would go into another room and they would wash each other's feet. And if you've never done that before, it, it, it's absolutely something that will change your life because when you scrub up on Sister Farnham's bunion, <laughs> our, our brother Roy's inch thick toenails, I'm telling you, it will change your life. I was scarred from an early age. <laughs> but seriously... When you humble yourself and you wash somebody else's feet, it will change your life. We had this young girl in our youth ministry in Tampa, and her name was Mickey. And Mickey, you could tell just by the way that she would dress, was a little less fortunate than other kids in our youth ministry. Mickey lived just a few blocks away from our church, and so she would walk to church by herself. Her, her parents didn't come with her. Every once in a while, I would see her mom. But most of the time, Mickey would walk to church on Sundays and Wednesdays to be a part of that community of believers. You could tell. Mickey was not used to the privileged things of life, like most of the kids in our youth ministry. Every year, we would go on fall retreat. And just like our students' experience, it was always a time of spiritual renewal. And I did my very best as a youth pastor to try and, and, and usher them into that atmosphere where true spiritual life change could take place. And this one particular night, I had scheduled a foot washing service. I'll never forget, I was standing at the keyboard and I had a microphone because I was leading worship and we had the, the, the room dimly lit in the back of the room. We had these basins of water, and we asked everybody to bring a towel with them to service. And I separated the guys to one side, the girls to the other side, and told them you can only wash the feet of the, of the same sex. And I'm standing at the keyboard, and I'll never forget when it hit me, Mickey's feet. Mickey's feet had been the subject of many jokes. Her toenails had never been maintained. She never had a pedicure. She had toes that probably looked like an 80-year-old woman. And I remember standing at that keyboard and I thought to myself, Rocky, you just messed up. 
nobody is going to wash Mickey's feet. I thought to myself, I should have, I should have told Mandy, I should have told one of our workers, you take Mickey. I should have prepared them ahead of time. And so everybody starts pairing off around the room. And I'm standing at the keyboard going, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, I see this young lady by the name of Ashley get up and go over to Mickey and say, can I wash your feet? And Ashley sit there with tears running down her cheeks washing that poor girl's feet and I stood there just crying like a baby as I watched God do more for Ashley in that moment than what Mickey was getting out of it let me tell you we're about 15 years later just a about a month ago maybe a month and a half ago Ashley was at Casa Shalom in Guatemala our orphanage that we support on a medical mission trip she's a nurse now and her heart for missions and her heart for people and her heart for servanthood has not ceased even though she has three children of her own she still wants to serve He said, you're blessed if you know this and you do this. You're blessed if you will follow in my footsteps and you will be willing to serve humanity. Next Sunday, church, we get that opportunity. Next Sunday, we get to walk out of here and we will do things for people that they will never thank us for. They will never even know we did it. Those of you that will go to the different cemeteries that we're going to be working at, there's not going to be anybody there that will say thank you. And if they do, you better run. (laughs) There's nobody there. Let me tell you, those families that come to visit those graves during the month of December when cemeteries are flooded with guests and visitors they're going to notice that somebody cared enough about their loved one to rake and to weed eat and to to bag leaves and to get that stuff out of the way so that they can get there and they can just be in that moment for those of you that are going to be picking up trash going down the roadside nobody cares that's the stuff inmates are supposed to do But you are serving a higher purpose and a higher calling for your life. Becoming one of the least. Because that's how we become great in the kingdom. We will have so many different assignments and people go in different directions. And hopes that it doesn't stop with that day. But it becomes part of our lifestyle that we're willing to serve. Not only one another, but people that won't even tell us thank you. That's what we get to do because we're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we all get to have a little bit of the heart of Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, 
log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.